Well, it is a pleasure to be with you. Hope everybody out there had a wonderful and blessed Thanksgiving. Um, of course, the results at Ford Field, notwithstanding. More on that in a little bit. I'm Sean Belegian. Pleasure to be with you tonight. Now, my partner, Bill Keenest, as many of you know, he has uh, a day job as well. He is doing some things with the NFL now. He is going to try to join us before this show is over tonight. But he is in Green Bay. So it depends on when the Packers and the Rams end. And as we often do on this show, just in case you don't know what's going on in the National Football League right now as we sit here That game has just under 13 minutes remaining. The Packers are on top, 36 to 25. As I mentioned, uh, if that game is over in time and Bill's responsibilities for the National Football League itself are in line, uh, Bill will be joining us hopefully for the last segment of the show. If not, uh, yours truly and Eric Dorsch uh, will be chatting with you tonight here on Gridiron Wrap. Uh, Eric, you better get your thoughts ready. I'm sure you have a lot to say uh, with the result of a certain game yesterday afternoon. Oh, me? Uh, no way. In the NFL right now, the Broncos have a 28-13 to 13 lead over the Chargers. Broncos could improve to 6-5. and five. The Niners have a 34-26 lead on the Vikings. Uh, just under 13 minutes to go there. Earlier in the NFL, the Bengals pound the Steelers 41 to 10. The Bucks uh, came from behind, knock off the Colts 38-31. Dolphins pound the Panthers 33 to 10. Patriots, they just keep winning. They knock off the Titans 36 to 13. They are now 8 and 4 on the season. The Giants beat the Eagles 13 to 7. Falcons knock off the Jags 21-14. Jets knock off the Texans 21-14 as well. Tonight Browns and Ravens Uh, That is in Baltimore. And, of course, tomorrow night, the Seahawks travel to Landover, Maryland, to take on the Washington football team. All right. um, So, as fans often do, as fans often do, uh, I've known Eric Dortch now for, I think, five years, maybe six years. I've known Chris Renwick for a while. And I think they would both agree that I like to twist it a little bit, sometimes a lot of bit, for their Michigan fandom, okay? I mean, thank you, anybody that knows me, I'm a Spartan fan, uh, but I I, I love to give it to the Michigan fans a little bit. I do, and I I do, I would hope, uh, in in good nature, because, uh, you know, we all grew up in an era where it just seemed like every other year, Michigan and Ohio State meant everything, and every other year, Michigan was winning Uh, the Big Ten, and oftentimes multiple Big Tens in a row, and they have had a rough stretch. I think they, including Eric, are all willing to admit that that stretch was indeed rough um, based on what happened yesterday. A phenomenal win by the Michigan Wolverines. A tip of the cap. Hats off. They finally win a division uh, in this uh, new Big Ten. Uh, Of course, it started in 2011, uh, first the legends and the leaders, and then, the, of course, the format in which we have it now, the East and the West. They hadn't been able to win a division, let alone win the Big Ten, hadn't won or tied the Big Ten since 2004. 
They slayed the dragon yesterday. Eric Dorch, you have to be ecstatic. I didn't believe it was. I didn't believe it happened until they actually were all zeros on the clock. I, I was that kind of person, texting with friends, saying, "You know what? It's not over." I kept saying, like, it, and I wanted to believe it. I, you know me, I, I, I always try to be as optimistic while level-headed as possible. But I wanted to believe in this team, but I've seen what Ohio State can do. I've seen how quickly they can do it. And so I, I was one of those people sitting on the couch until it all read double zero. And then I was like, oh, okay, yeah, we did this. We did this. Yeah, it, you know what? It's funny that you say that, Eric, because I was I was chatting with uh, one of my lifelong friends uh, who is a big, big Michigan fan, and you you sounded a lot like him. And it's, as you know, it's a lot easier when you're watching a game. It's a lot easier when you don't have a quote-unquote horse in the race to maybe look at things. And, and you know, I, I told my buddy when Haskins scored that touchdown with what, about nine minutes remaining to go up 35-20, I, I, I said to my buddy, I said, can you breathe? And he goes, are you nuts? It's only a 15-point lead. And, and I said, here's the big difference, Joe. Michigan is running the ball at will. They mm-hmm. are moving the ball downfield. I've seen this script before. I know how this ends. It, it may only be a one-score game, but I got to feel really good about Michigan. And and then you know, obviously Henderson caught that pass from Stroud with a, about four and a half to go, and yeah. <laughs> you could hear everybody panning. And then what did Michigan do? They went right down the field and and put the game on ice. Uh, Eric, seriously. I'm happy for you. I'm happy to all the Michigan fans out there. This has been a long time in the making, and, and you did it the right way. I think Spartan fans will tell you, look, you had to knock off Ohio State in that Big Ten championship game in, in yep. December of 2013, and I was the same way watching that game. Until that game was over, it was like, I'm not going to believe it. Then you had to go into Columbus and kick that field goal uh, on the last play of the game to beat them in, in, in 2015. Whether we like to admit it or not, it just runs through Columbus. That's just the way it is. It, it is very true. But you said something that was kind of my – as I came in last night to work my shift, Jason mentioned that you know he had been running Michigan State, so he didn't get to see the end of the Michigan game. And I said, here's the best way to put it from different Michigan teams and how you knew they were different. When they gave Haskins the ball, there were no negative yards. Haskins yeah. always made sure if it wasn't going to be five or six – it was going to be one or two. He was not going to go backwards at any point, no matter how many people you stacked on him. And that's not something in past years we could say. There would be losses. There would be slip plays. That wasn't going to happen. I mean, Hassan Haskins finishes with 170 rushing yards in that game. And it, I, it just I, afterwards I looked at it, I was like, that's it? Like It almost felt like he did so much. How was it not more? But it was more than enough. It was amazing. It really was. I mean, I, I thought that last drive that put a, a punctuation on it, I, I just looked that up. Five plays, 63 yards, Haskins for 15, Haskins for six, Haskins for 11, Haskins for 27, Haskins for four. Mm-hmm. And uh, you slayed the dragon. There's no other way to say that. Now you have to go finish it. Um, you know, there's a little pride, as we all know, uh, on the East now in this uh, reformatted Big Ten. The East always takes care of business. Uh, Iowa and Kirk Ferentz uh, looking to change that. But uh, once again, congratulations to Michigan. And Eric, I, I say this and I mean it in all sincerity. Yes, of course, Michigan State beat Michigan. But I think mm-hmm. Michigan uh, 
prove to everybody that they were the, they were the best team in the Big Ten yesterday. I, I appreciate it. Yeah, no, you. I when when we lost to you guys, I'm like, okay, here it is, another year of we're gonna lose to the Big Two and finish with a ten and two record. It, it'll be fun. It'll be great. But there'll be those two games that always uh, loom over our head. We were able to handle the second of the two, so I, I like the stride, and I'm I'm happy going into the uh, the, the Big Ten championship. Yeah, looking forward to that, no doubt about it. Michigan, Iowa, next Saturday down in Indianapolis. And now, Eric, you and every Michigan fan can say, yes, I do know how to get to Indianapolis. I do. (laughs) I can do that Uh, because that Lord knows that's been a running joke around here for quite some time. Uh, Eric, as you mentioned, uh, Michigan State is heard right here on your flagship for the Spartans, 760 WJR. Awesome game yesterday. I got to go to the game uh, with my son. It was fantastic. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about expectations as well, because I'll I'll hearken back to a conversation that you, Darren McCarty, and I had uh, before the season started. And for once in these parts, our teams didn't just exceed expectations. They greatly exceeded expectations. We'll get into that and more. It is great iron wrap on a Sunday night right here on 760 WJR. Well, so glad you could join us here. It is great iron wrap. Sean Belegian flying solo. Uh, Bill uh, working at his day job today at Lambeau Field. Uh, Bill was kind enough to snap some pictures of, of uh, venerable Lambeau Field from his uh, broadcast location and uh, I envy him. That's one place, Eric, I have not been to that I can't wait to go to. Uh, Lambeau Field is one of my bucket list things. Yep. Um, the Rose Bowl always was, but being the <clears throat> slappy fan that I am, I said I'm not going to the Rose Bowl until Michigan State is there. And I finally had a chance to see that on January 1st, 2014. But uh I guess two places in the NFL I really want to go. I want to go to Arrowhead Stadium, of course, the the home of the Chiefs, and I want to go to Lambeau. Those are the two spots I want to go to. Uh, I I had the opportunity to go to I had the opportunity to go to Lambeau a couple of years ago. Plans ended up falling through, but it is absolutely a bucket list thing. We used to always try every year to get tickets to go to that later game when the Lions would go there at the end of the season. You know, you want the cold weather, you want that. Sure. Um, Arrowhead is one, but I, I honestly, even before I met him, I've always had. The desire to go uh, go to Denver, go to our boy Rieger Stadium and see, oh, see yeah, what it's like fun. there. Go to Mile yeah. High and just see what it's like. It, it just seems so cool to me. And, of course, Seattle with the 12th man. I, I can't imagine how loud it gets there. Yeah, yeah. Spartans win, of course, yesterday. Improved to 10-2. More on our awful preseason predictions in just a moment. Uh, but, you know, Eric, you were talking about the weather. I made this crack to Chris Renwick, and I, I mean it in all sincerity. It is so funny. It is it it is like you turn into a ten year old again. I was sitting in the stands with my son at the beginning of the game, and of course, uh, if you uh, were listening here on seven sixty WJR, perhaps watching at home when the Spartans scored uh, those first couple of touchdowns, really in the first nine minutes of the game, uh, the place was going nuts. The snow was coming down, and honest to goodness, uh, Eric, my son, and I were like two. 10-year-olds. It was downright giddy. And I think part of it was, to be honest with you, anybody that made that drive yesterday, it was treacherous on 96 from where I live 
to get to East Lansing. Normally, I can make it if the weather's nice in about 50 minutes. Um, it was much longer than that getting there, and it was much, much longer than that uh, getting home. But what a phenomenal way to finish a most unexpected season from the Spartans yesterday. Absolutely. I, I, I We're going to get to it here in a minute, but the, the, the performance out of these two Michigan teams this year have gone far and above and beyond anything we thought. Uh, oh. I, I've been saying it for the last couple of weeks. I don't know if I've ever mentioned it to you and Darren just because we're usually flying through things, but uh, I've said it to my friends over the last couple of weeks. I'm looking past all bias, past all anything. My, if I have a vote, and I believe you do have a vote, my vote goes to Kenneth Walker, or Kenneth Walker for the Heisman. This guy has done so much this year that I just I, you look at everybody else in the in the running, and this guy's been far and away just that much better than everyone else that would be on that final list. Well, you're very kind. Yes, I I do have a vote, Eric, and um, we are prohibited from talking. I about understand it. that. Yes, I, I hope you I hope you can accept that, but um. Does he belong on the list? Absolutely, positively, no doubt about it. I think he's he's got a, a fantastic resume, and and he only did, um, in my mind, he only helped himself out uh, yesterday after that debacle against Ohio State. The one thing that jumped out to me, and make no mistake about it, this contract extension for Mel Tucker is an investment. Okay. And Eric, I'm really intrigued. You know, I, I'm sure you were having a blast yesterday after Michigan won the East. I, I don't know how much of the game you saw, but the one thing that I would tell anybody about Mel Tucker and Michigan State really showed itself yesterday. And here's what I mean by that. Here's a team that was absolutely slaughtered. It was worse than the score indicated last week. Make no mistake about it, Spartan fans. We all have to acknowledge that, Okay. It was worse than the score indicated. Then you had all the reports of sickness running through the team, and they were going to be missing this guy and that guy, and they were already a banged-up team. And if you watched that game yesterday, boy, do those guys go for Mel Tucker. Boy, do they give everything they have and extend themselves. And something like that is, is to me, Eric, you can't put a price tag on that. These guys play for Mel Tucker and the Michigan State Spartans. I said that to a, a friend of mine yesterday after the game. He's a Spartan fan, so we were exchanging texts of, you know, congrats for Ohio State and all that, and congrats to them for the great year. And I said to him, I was like, I, I, exactly what you're saying is how they go from. I would love to be in the locker room 10 minutes before a football game with Mel Tucker telling you what we're going to do. Because even if I was the towel boy, I think he'd have me ready to run through whatever wall they put up for us. These guys are playing for this guy, and he is—he's a phenomenal leader. It's—it's it's amazing to see what he can do. But I would love to hear how this guy gets all these people so hyped up. They really do love playing for him. Yeah, it was a—it was a heck of a time yesterday uh, at Spartan Stadium. I think one of those games that you know we'll we'll all long remember. Uh, obviously, you you wish that it was a case like 2015 where. Uh, a Spartan win over the Nittany Lions punched their ticket to Indianapolis, but I'm going to repeat it. Make no mistake about it. Michigan proved their, themselves to be uh, the best team in the East this year. Now we come to the part that uh, I, I know, Eric, uh, a lot of people in our business don't like to um, confess that they were wrong after the fact. That is one thing 
I've always, always wanted to be that guy. If I'm wrong about something, I don't want you to call me out for it. I want me to call me out for it. Absolutely. Boy, did we miss on these teams. You, Darren McCarty, on the weekend before uh, the football season started, and, and if I'm wrong here, Eric, make sure that you yell at me, okay? Okay. We said top, top of the hill. Six and six for the Spartans and getting into a bowl game if things go right. And we said seven, maybe eight for Michigan. Am, am I am I off base you're, in that? Am I, am you're I remembering not far that off correctly? at all. You're not okay. far off at all. I think I said I think I think we all came to the consensus of six and six. I think I said maybe five wins for MSU, just depending on you know who, who if if some players can show up for us. And yes, I, I I think I as a Michigan fan, I was the lower end of that. I think I had seven as their absolute ceiling this year after what we'd seen in past. But yes, we were all just completely under, we, we were way off. I, I'll be the, I'm with you. I admit it. We were way off on what these teams were going to do this year. Isn't it nice to, to, for once, not just over exceed, but way over exceed expectations around here, because I laugh about it. I've joked about it on social media and I've, I've joked about it on the air over the years. Uh, we get very slappy in these parts. And what do I mean by that? Boy, as the season draws near, all of a sudden the month of August means one more win for every team, and they're going to be that much better. And this is the year maybe both of them can find themselves in the final four, like two SEC teams and everything. And, you know, sadly, more often than not, the, the expectations have not met reality. Uh, this is a year, Eric, where it far exceeded reality. This was really, really one heck of a season, a lot of fun, especially after the weirdness that was the 2020 campaign. Yeah, no, I, I think getting ready to do a show a couple weeks ago with Darren, I think I said to you right before the show, we're playing with house money now. We've exceeded everything we were supposed to for yeah. the year, and we're playing with house money, and everything that we get from here on out, it's just extra. It's fun to see, and it's 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 so enjoyable, and it is a great, great time when you're, it's almost, it's the one time where you're so happy you were so wrong. It really is. Yeah, no doubt about that. You know, you know what's interesting? I, I am a sucker. I don't know about you, Eric. I love, I love looking at bowl projections. I, I, I really yeah. do. And obviously, uh, Michigan State can't do anything to help out their cause. Uh, but uh, Michigan certainly can. They can punch their ticket into the college football playoff. Uh, for what it's worth, uh, a lot of people have Michigan playing in the Cotton Bowl on New Year's Eve against Cincinnati. Wouldn't that be something? It would be. It would be. It would be very, very great to see. I Cincinnati's a team for me that I think is just kind of getting a little undersold here. They are. They are a very good football team, and for some odd reason, they just kind of seem to keep yo-yoing in these rankings over the couple uh, over the last couple of months, but that it's a, they're a very good football team. So I would not have a problem with it. Yeah. There were, there were a couple, uh, a, a couple of different, you know, if you look at these bowl projection projections, some people still think that Alabama might force their way in. Mm -hmm. uh, certainly if Alabama beats Georgia, they would be in. Would Georgia then take the number four slot that a lot of people think is just sitting there waiting for Oklahoma state. But uh, a lot of that can play out. As I mentioned, Michigan State can't do anything else to help their cause. Uh, for what it's worth, I, I looked at a couple of different bowl projections today. One had Michigan State and Notre Dame playing in the Fiesta Bowl. Another one that I saw was Michigan State and Matt Corral 
and Lane Kiffin and the Ole Miss Rebels playing as well. So uh, I'll tell you what, to both be in that New Year's Six picture with obviously Michigan, if they beat Iowa uh, in the college football playoff, what a fantastic bowl season that would be. And Eric, this is where I'm old school. For as much as I want a lot of things in college football to change, I love bowl season. I absolutely love bowl season. I still think there's validity to it. I still think you can put an exclamation point on the season. Bowl season still means a lot to me. I I love bowl season. And to me, what bowl season is, is it's the one game version of what we get in March Madness. It's a chance for these guys to put on one last big show that you see these people who you throughout the year that you just somehow didn't notice and you see them step up in a big game, and all of a sudden on draft day, their name is much higher up on the list. So it's that cool thing of you get to see some relative unknown people really have an opportunity to show, and it, it's just fun to watch a lot of football, a lot of football. Yeah, no doubt about that. All right, uh, just letting you know uh, about three minutes remaining. The Packers have a 36-25 lead over the Rams, a fourth and fourth, the Ram 24th. They add three, obviously, They're up by a couple touchdowns with uh, three minutes to go. Hopefully, hopefully, we hear from Bill Keenis before the end of the show here. Elsewhere, uh, Niners hanging on to an eight-point lead over the Vikings with about a minute and a half left, but the Vikings driving uh, right now. And indeed, the Broncos did end up knocking off the Chargers 28-13, to both teams at 6-5. Oh, we have to talk the Lions when we come back. A lot of questions about the Lions. A lot of questions about the Lions. And we'll get into some of them when we come back. Eric Dorch, Sean Belegian, Bill Keenis, hopefully, hopefully joining us before this show's over right here. It's Gridiron Wrap on 760 WJR. Welcome back in. So glad you could join us on a Sunday night. Uh, Eric Dortch sitting in for Bill Keenis. Bill, of course, at Lambeau Field right now. He's working his day job. Uh, Of course, Bill uh, still working for the National Football League. The Packers have a 36-25 lead over the Rams. Two-minute warning. Uh, Packers just missed a field goal, so... Uh, Rams have to score quickly and then get the ball back and uh, hit a field goal. Oh, by the way, after a two-point conversion to tie the game. Uh, Eric, let's go back to Thanksgiving. And, you know, this is one area where if we could say that we we missed on uh, Michigan State and Michigan this year, I think we were pretty spot on about the Detroit Lions. Uh, I didn't think that they'd win till uh, Halloween. Uh, mm-hmm. They got trounced that game. Then I thought, well, maybe it's Thanksgiving against Chicago. But this year to me was, I don't like to use the term mail-in or tank, but if you couldn't see what Brad Holmes and this new regime was doing, I don't think you were paying attention. They got the extra pick from the Rams. They were certainly going to get a high pick, and and I'm convinced that's by design. And so to me, and this is one of those years where I I can't believe I'm saying this, but I am. The wins and losses this year weren't as important to me because for the first time, and I know I used this line before, the Lions looked in the mirror, and instead of thinking that they saw Brad Pitt looking back at them, 
they saw themselves for what they've really been. And, and it's a franchise that's been in deep water for far too long. And so I had no problem. Heck, not just this year, next year. Get another high pick, use that other Rams first draft pick. Let's do this right. Let's in, increase the talent level on this team. You start at the foundation. You you work your way over to the game room. You, you make the bathrooms all nice. Then you go upstairs. Do what you have to do. I'm still with that, okay? I am still with that, and the wins and losses don't mean that much to me this year, although certainly I don't want to see them go winless. The issue that I'm having right now is Dan Campbell. If you're watching the Lions and you aren't concerned over some of the decision-making and some of the moments of, of, well, cluelessness, I don't know what to tell you. That's the issue that I'm I'm having right now. It's hard enough to make things count, at least for this franchise, in the draft. I'm going to worry about that later on down the line. But there are some questions about Dan Campbell right now. I, I don't think there's any debate about that, Eric. Uh, no, I agree with you. I, I, I was looking through the schedule trying to remember how I predicted it. And I had it. I, I think I had uh, Cincinnati as their first real good chance at a win. Obviously, that didn't happen. Um, but I said it to you at the start of the year. I, I mentioned it to you and Darren. I look at it where we are right now as this is high school football. No one remembers what they did freshman year, sophomore year. The records don't really matter the same as when you get to varsity because you're trying to figure out who can pl- who's playing and who isn't. And that's what they're doing right now. This is freshman year. They're trying to figure out who needs to be who are the 11 that need to be on the field in this situation. And there have been there have been moments, I will say moments where they look like they maybe have an idea of who needs to be out there, but then there's other moments where it looks like they just, you know, threw 11 guys out there and saw if it would work. And I I am with you. I I'm trying to be behind Dan Campbell as much as I can because uh I I I, I how he is and how he interacts and how he seems to really care. It's nice to see. We, we've we had some head coaches in the past that have been, a, you know, for a lack of better words, a little more robotic. They don't really give you anything. You don't really know one way or another if they care. He does. But yes, I will admit there have been multiple times where you see him do something and you go, you almost want to be like timeout. And it's like, show your work why you thought that was the idea or the way to go about <laughs> it. And, and we're, and, and we're in that situation now. Me being the optimist, I'm trying to give it to him as first-year head coach. Given pretty much one of the worst situations you can get as a first-year head coach, you just traded away your franchise quarterback. You have no real uh, offensive weapons to speak of outside of Hawkinson and Swift. You don't really have a number one receiver. So uh, he, he was thrown a lot, but there are times where it's like, well, I'd like to see you making the right situation even or make the right decision even you know with what you have because it shows us when the right pieces are there you know what to do in that situation the correct way. Yeah, I, I like your analogy about um, the, the high school team because it, it, it uh, look, there's a talent discrepancy. I mean, if, if you don't see it, I, I don't think that you're paying attention. And I, I do adamantly believe it's by design that, that Brad Holmes said, look, we're going to bite the bullet this year. We're going to get a high pick. It's probably going to be number one overall. You're going to get the Rams pick, whatever that may be in the 20s, whatever the case may be. And, you know, you have to make these these draft picks count. And and, and it's probably going to be a couple years of that. The question that that I think we all have to come up to is, is this the right man to lead this team when we do get the talent in here? And And, and I don't like asking that question because it's not fair to Dan Campbell 
in this regard. This isn't an NFL caliber team right now. It just isn't with some of the talent discrepancies all over the field. And by the way, the Rams uh, just kicked a field goal late in the game to make it 36 to 28. Uh, They're going to try the onside kick, but they're certainly running out of time there. Uh, Hopefully we'll hear hear from Mr. Keenis before the show is over. And that's my biggest concern getting back to the lions. Now, Eric is okay. Let's play a game of pretend Brad Holmes makes these picks count. We get studs, we get Thibodeau, Uh, you know, you, you even wait on a quarterback until next year, or you get Matt Corral later, whatever the case may be. Okay. And, and he hits on these draft picks. The question then becomes a couple of years from now. Well, is this guy the right man for the job? And I don't know the answer to that right now, because I'll tell you what, through this much of the season through 11 games, I think there are a heck of a lot more questions than there are answers in regards to Dan Campbell and his head coaching acumen in the National Football League. Yeah, uh, I, I'll play. I, I guess I'll, I'll I'll take a stab at it. Now, again, this, right. this is just as good as my predictions for how college football was going to go this year. Um, I'm going to say yes, he is the right guy. But that comes with a caveat of he does need to be learning from these mistakes, and you hope he is. And, you know, when the moment's right, he, he needs to, you know, realize where he is. If, if Holmes can make these picks count, if free agency can work in, to some extent to our, our benefit, I see a quality in Campbell that I see in, as we spoke about a few minutes ago, Mel Tucker. These guys seem to like him. He seems to know the players. He seems to be able to, you know, to get these guys motivated and have them ready to go. And I like him for that. He seems like a player's coach, like a guy that... As I said, he's not that far removed from his playing days. It's been a couple of years, but he's never left a locker room. He didn't take time off and go do other things and then come back to coaching. He hung the pads up in the uh, equipment room, and they handed him a clipboard, and he went right to it. So this game still means just as much to him. So I, I like him for that. I think when the right guys are in that in that huddle and we have the pieces we need, I think Campbell is a guy that's going to be able to get it done. Again, he's still early on in this. He needs to be learning from these mistakes so that we don't see the same situation twice. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I, I hate to say it. There were moments of, dare I say, Coach Caldwell-esque confusion on, mm-hmm. on the sideline. And that's mm-hmm. the stuff that um, that puts a red flag up for me. I mean, there's absolutely no doubt about it because I've said it once. I've said it a thousand times. Uh, Coach Campbell is a wonderful man. He is. He really is. Those are not just words. I, I think that he's a a very decent human being. Um, the nine and seven stuff wasn't good enough for me. The getting into the playoffs and losing wasn't good enough for me. Uh, the team taking a step back from when he took over and and never being able to get to that high level wasn't good enough for me. And I understand that there were a lot of roster changes, but some of the the game day decisions and moments of confusion, I think, by, by he and his staff, and ultimately that does come back to the head coach, were quite alarming. And and we're getting some of that with Dan Campbell right now. And I, I hope, I hope it's just, you know, the early bumps of, of a guy that hasn't been around a long time. And, you know, you get some of that stuff worked out in the next couple of years and they're going to be good to go. But I think it uh, bears to be repeated. Lines back in action 
after, of course, falling on Thanksgiving 16-14. to 14. Uh, Next Sunday, uh, they are taking on the Minnesota Vikings uh, at Ford Field. Uh, that is a 1 o'clock kick. Then at Denver. Then Arizona at home. Then Atlanta at Atlanta. At Seattle. And then Green Bay at home. So, uh, quite frankly, um, I don't like to say it, but when you look at that schedule, you don't know where the wind comes, but it's the National Football League. And each and every week, it seems we see a game that nobody expected to see uh, the final result be. So maybe the Lions can get one of those because I am not one of those guys, Eric. I, I <laughs> was not happy with 0-16. I no. did not want that indignity. I did not want to have to live with that in my memory bank for the rest of my days. Uh, right now, I mean, if you keep track of stuff like this, uh, the Lions have a game and a half lead in regards to having the number one pick. I don't think that they're going to relinquish that mm-hmm. either. I think no. this is a case where the Lions are going to have the number one pick. Uh, well, final score for, for you. Lambeau, by the way, Green Bay knocks off the Rams 36-28. Yeah. Uh, real quick, question for you. Would yes. this, with, with what's going on this year, would this be a little bit easier to handle if some of these games weren't last-second field goals, nail-biters, they almost made it work? Would it be easier if these were games where they were just outright losing as opposed to like we saw in Pittsburgh where nobody wanted to win it or the Ravens getting it or we're about to play Minnesota, our last time with Minnesota, scoring late and then they them pulling off a last-second field goal? Well, let's talk about that when we come back, because I think we're going to be joined by a special guest in just a moment. How about that? Did you like that, Eric? Good job. Uh, Thank you very much. A special guest from Lambeau Field. I bet you'll never guess who it is. We'll talk to him next right here on Gridiron Rap. Well, I have a saying, I am always going to fear the Green Bay Packers as long as Aaron Rodgers has air in his lungs. And uh, Bill Keenis, Aaron Rodgers still has air in his lungs, and Aaron Rodgers continues to get it done. They knock off the Rams today, 36-28 to 28 at Lambeau Field. And you had a pretty good view of it, my friend. How are you? I'm good. I'm very good, Sean. Thank you. Sorry about being a little late, but uh, better late than never, I guess. Um, yeah, I did have a great view. This place is magical up here. I mean, it was a beautiful day, beautiful sunny day, a cold um, but then as the, as the, the sun went down and, and it was nightfall, you're just waiting for the snow flurries to make it a snow globe. You know, we've seen that, you know, many times over the years, but you're right about Aaron Rodgers. I don't know how many times it was one of those, you gotta be kidding me mm-hmm. again, you know, plays where he just, you know, it's third down and, and I'm doing my job, you know, we're talking about going to a commercial break and. And he zings it in there for a first down. The game continues. So no, no commercial. We got to get it later in the game. But uh, yeah, he uh, he's still Aaron Rodgers. I mean, I didn't see uh, the the Buccaneers game today, but for for them to go into Indy and beat the Colts, Tom Brady had to play a heck of a game. Those two. I mean, what we're seeing, we've talked about Tom Brady before, but Aaron Rodgers is in that same category. Just a a physical marvel to accomplish what they're doing at this stage of their lives, let alone their career. It's just remarkable. Yeah, and I'll tell you what, Bill, you're absolutely right. I mean, Brady ends up 25 of 34, 226 and a touchdown, but it was the comeback. I mean, they were trailing... Uh, you know, the whole first half, mm-hmm. and it, it's just leading the team down the field and and finding a way 
to win football games. And that's what Brady did today. No doubt, especially in November and December. That's all that matters. And this game was was strange up here. I, I bet uh, I haven't seen the final stats, but the time of possession, the Packers must have had the ball uh, two to one easily. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised they had the ball over 40 minutes. And uh, and it was because of turnovers. I mean, the Ram, Matthew fumbled, recovered it. Of course, the pick six actually, you know, that helps the time of position because you get the ball right back. But, um, you know, a fumble, uh, you know, they just they, they just didn't sustain the drives. Um, but the Packers did. And they kept they kept Matthew and the Rams off the field. And uh, and they did what they usually do. They ran the ball when they had to and converted third downs and, and uh, came away with the win. You've seen a lot of football in your time, so mm-hmm. it doesn't surprise me you weren't that far off in your time of possession. How about this? 39-40. Holy I just mackerel. looked it up. You said 40 minutes. Bill, you only missed by I'll 20 must, seconds. I'll, we'll we'll, we'll I'll, forgive you for that. Yeah, 39-40 was time I'll, of possession. Yeah, so you think you factor that in. Plus they were, uh, I think, a plus three in turnovers, plus two, plus three. You're going to win those games. You are. It's just, it's just statistically – almost the certainty and and they did the Rams, you know, came back a little bit at the end, but um, it was just too much to overcome. You know, Eric so. asked an interesting question. I don't know if you heard it uh, coming mm-hmm. into the break. Cause you were just joining us, but Eric said, you know, with the lions this year, so many close losses and, and yeah. obviously Thanksgiving day was yet another one. Mm-hmm. I know that coaches like to preach the 24 hour rule. We forget it. Yeah. Uh, we're going to move on. We're going to focus on Minnesota now, yeah. whatever the case may be. Yeah. But in yeah. your time around the team, Bill, that's so much easier said than done, isn't it? Absolutely. And I think you also have to factor in the unique composition of the Lions team this year. A lot of guys that are new to the team, new to the franchise, a lot of guys on one-year contracts. So in some respects, that might be a positive because they're going to play. They're playing for their next contract. I don't know how many on the roster are in the uh, you know, they're, they're have a one year deal, but I, I, I believe a lot of them. So that could be a positive. But I mean, like we talked about a couple of weeks ago, these guys have won for the most part at every level of their football career. And losing is one thing, but losing the way they've lost, you know, games that should have, could have, would have. I mean, you look at the Steelers now, and I mean, they got blown out today. Um, and they had their pieces back. They had Roethlisberger. They had the receivers back. Um, that was a game that you look back and just say, how didn't the Lions win that game? Gosh. And then, of course, last week against Chicago, although I think, and I don't know if we we went, we may have talked about it, but when, when the Bears announced Andy Dalton was starting, I didn't see that as a plus for the Lions. Uh, Justin Fields, from all counts, is going to be a great quarterback. But Andy Dalton's a veteran. And uh, we've seen what savvy veterans can do um, over the years. And uh, and he was another one that, that uh, did what he had to and really had a, a really good day for the Bears. And, and uh, what, for the third time, the game goes down to the final play, a field goal to beat the Lions. Hey, I'll tell you what, this is one time that we can pat ourselves on the back. Both you and I were, were liking what we saw about the Bengals early yeah, on this yeah. year. It's a pretty darn good team. They improved it, seven and four today. It really is. And you know what, Sean? Every team goes through ups and downs. The good teams do. 
Um, you know, the Rams may be doing that right now. And then I was talking to someone, some of the media before the game about the Buccaneers last year. They had a two or three game lull. And uh, you go back over history's teams that won Super Bowls had laws in their game. The Bengals had a couple games that uh, they didn't play that well. But, um, it, you know, you're playing meaningful games in November and December. That's what you want to do. And the more you have games like the Bengals had today, the more you believe you can be successful, the more you believe you can win. And that's such a big part of it, especially with a relatively young team like Cincinnati is. Bill, we have about a minute, but I'd be remiss if I didn't get your thoughts on what a magnificent day oh. yesterday was in the state of Michigan with the yep. snow coming down. Yep. You had high school finals at Ford Field. Yep. You had oh. Michigan winning the East. You had Michigan State yeah. winning in a blizzard. I was there. Yeah. You had Grand Valley and Ferris State yes. up at Ferris. <laughs> Ferris wins in D2. Yeah. What yeah. a great day for football yeah. in the state when, of Michigan. When we talk about the state of Michigan being the, the capital, the king of, of football, college football in, in particular, Yesterday is the billboard. That's all you need. And and I was driving, actually drove to Green Bay. I wanted to do that. I was channeling the brow, remember? <laughs> <laughs> but, but and it didn't take me 12 hours like it took him. Yeah. But I was actually listening to Jim Brandstatter and Dan Deardorff at the end of that game. And, Sean, I had tears in my eyes listening to the emotion. And you get it. You understand it. I get it. I understand it. For that to happen to those two historical figures in the game of football and in broadcasting, you know, Dan, a Hall of Famer, you know, I mean, that's why we love sports. Yep. That's why we love sports. Uh, it was a great day around the yep. state of Michigan. And I will tell you to drive safely, my friend. Uh, Thank are, you. are you heading out in the morning or are you no. heading out tonight? I'm going to go get some cheese curds and head out tomorrow. <laughs> Good for you. I'm glad we could catch up. I look forward to talking to you again next week, my friend. Yes, sir. Thanks, Sean. Safe travels to Bill Keenis. Eric Dorch, great job sitting in tonight, doing not only what you do, but uh, certainly uh, contributing as well. I thank you. I will talk to you again Friday night after a couple of weeks off uh, with the Darren McCarty Show. We will be back. Check us out uh, 7 o'clock on Friday night. Don't forget to make this show gridiron wrap part of your sunday night as well we will talk again next sunday at seven o'clock uh, for eric dorch for bill keenest i'm sean belegian saying have yourselves a great night